Giddy up, folks. You've tuned in to Nashville Anthems, a podcast that dissects 80s and 90s country music. I'm your host, Melton McMainerberry, giving you all the love I can. And big thank you to the band Running Shotgun Stranger for providing the theme music for this episode. You can catch them every Friday night at the Hungry House Cafe. Nashville Anthems is about getting to the bottom of exactly what makes 80s and 90s country music particularly work. And we do that by making a little light shine on the songs played on satellite radio's 80s and 90s country station, one at a time. Today, we're going to meet the Oak Ridge Boys and their 1981 mega-hit, Elvira. So if you haven't already, and if you haven't had Elvira continuously stuck in your head for the last few decades, you should definitely pause me now and give Elvira a few close listens. And now, let's get into it. First off, as always, we need to give credit where credit is due. Elvira is a cover. It had been recorded at least three times before the Oak Ridge Boys got to it. The first was by the song's legendary writer, Dallas Frazier. He recorded it in the late 60s. Kenny Rogers' group, The First Edition, did a version a few years later, and Rodney Crowell also had a version in the 70s. You know, I think about covers a lot because I'm not sure how to handle them on this podcast necessarily. We've done one other that was Faith Hill's Wild One. And we've acknowledged that Brooks and Dunn's Boot Scootin' Boogie was also a cover, though we haven't done an episode on that one yet. My working, highly subjective criteria is that we'll only do an episode on a cover if the cover is the definitive version of the song. Now, there's no argument on that on Wild One. Faith Hills is clearly the definitive version, or on Boot Scootin' Boogie, or on Elvira. So it just hasn't really been a judgment call yet. But what happens when you get to something like Clint Black's Desperado or Travis Tritt's T-R-O-U-B-L-E? or Dolly Parton's 80s cover of her own song, I Will Always Love You. I suppose we'll cross those bridges when they arrive, but back to Elvira, the Oak Ridge Boys version, that is. Elvira is the first track on and the first single off of the Oak Ridge Boys' 1981 album, Fancy Free. Fancy Free was the Oaks' fifth country album, but they'd recorded countless southern gospel albums before they made the move to country in the 70s with the album Y'all Come Back Saloon. Remember that song? Well, the single Elvira was a monster hit, hitting number one on the country chart and number five on the U.S. pop chart. It's easily the biggest hit and best-known song of one of the most popular acts in country music in the 1980s, and it's easily one of the biggest hits that we've covered on this podcast. Other credits, I've already mentioned that Elvira was written by Dallas Frazier, and the producer on the Oak Ridge Boys recording was Ron Chansey. Folks, this song is fun. Just try to deny it. This is a song that makes you smile. It makes you bounce. You lose yourself in this song because it's just downright enjoyable to listen to. So let's try to unpack some of what makes Elvira hit such a happy sweet spot. But now hold on. You and I both already know exactly what takes this song from being just fun to being fun and unforgettable. We both know the thing in Elvira that everyone remembers and they don't remember anything else. And we'll get there. Of course we will. But there's more to Elvira than Om Papa Mau Mau. What is the context of Richard Sturban's bizarre solo anyway? Why does it work? Why does it even fit? Now you're talking. Let's get into it and see what we can find out. Giddy up. Because, listeners, cards on the table. You were going to figure it out anyway. I love this song. And part of the reason for that is, I'm all about that backbeat. 
Now, we talked about the idea of backbeat in the episode on Steve Warner's Linda. Backbeat is simply an emphasis on beats two and four of each measure of a song in 4-4, which is the overwhelming majority of songs that we'll cover on this podcast. Virtually all songs have a backbeat. That's just what popular Western music sounds like. But not many emphasize the backbeat as much as the Oak Ridge Boys' Elvira does. Instrumentally, obviously the snare drum hits on the backbeat, but every song does that. The big instrumental place where the backbeat is emphasized is in the rhythm guitar. Elvira features either two or one double-tracked electric rhythm guitars that are very prominent in the mix and play these splat chords relentlessly on two and four. As that look like heaven Lips like cherry wine It's kind of all you hear if you focus on the instrumental track. It's that forward in the mix. And I kind of facetiously call them splat chords. I'm sure there's a better, more common name for them than that. But you get what I mean? They are choppy, like we talked about in our last episode on Two Teardrops. Guitars aren't good at sustaining chords, but they are great at attacking them. And that's what's happening here. The chords are so choppy, they are basically only attack. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So the most prominent instrument on the song is essentially only playing the backbeat. But the backbeat is also emphasized in the vocals. It's all over the vocals in the song. The vocals are basically built around the backbeat. It's right there in the title, that repeated refrain of Elvira. That's four, one, two. Elvira, three, four, one, two, three. Elvira, three, four, one, two, three. My heart's two, three. On fire, three, four. Elvira. Elvira. My heart's on fire for Elvira. It's not that beats one and three, especially beat one, are not emphasized. They certainly are. But the emphasis in Elvira on 2 and 4 is exaggerated, and that's what really stands out. It's also in those famous Om Papa Mau Mau's, by the way. Giddy up, Om Papa, Om Papa Mau Mau. Sturban even says pop when those backbeats pop. <laughs> I, old silver, a way. Giddy up, Om Papa, Om Papa Mau Mau. But Richard Sturban isn't the only thing that pops on Elvira. This is a song with a lot of pop to it. And I dig it. In particular, I'm all about that brass. Well, brass and saxophones. That's right, folks. This is the first song we've covered to employ horns. There's definitely trumpet and saxophone in there. Pretty sure I hear some trombone as well. Country pop with horns. Now, horns are pretty rare in country music for whatever reason. Just traditionally, country music uses a guitar, drums, bass, and maybe piano, steel guitar, and or fiddle with occasional related instruments like mandolin or dobro or banjo. But horns really don't belong in that grouping. I think it's fair to say they would feel quite out of place in most country songs. But boy, do they work on this one. And I think there are a few reasons for that. A lot of it is just how committed this version of Elvira is to its fun tone. With horns, you get this celebratory, almost circus-like atmosphere, and it's infectious. I, oh, silver, 
Another reason is how the horns blend in terms of timbre with the vocals. Now, that sounds weird. And there aren't many country groups you could say that of, but you can say it of the Oak Ridge Boys. I mean, what the horns are playing, they're kind of typical horn fills coming in mostly to fill vocal gaps. It's like what you would hear with 70s bands like Chicago and Earth, Wind and & Fire, although not nearly as complex as those bands' horn arrangements were, nor how prominent in the mix. But still, it's in that vein. No doubt influenced by probably both of those very bands. And it makes sense because, again, getting to timbre, horns tend to sound like an additional voice or choir on a song, as they do in Elvira. Horns are wind instruments, so there is a natural connection to the human voice in their very nature. Because they're wind instruments, they're very good at both attack and sustain, just like the human voice is. And they're better at it than any other instrument's on this song. In that respect, the horns more belong to the vocal track of the song than to the instrumental track, if you want to think about it that way. But there are two very specific reasons the horns work especially well with the Oak Ridge Boys. And it's that two of the four members of this vocal quartet have vocal timbres that are similar to the timbres of the horns. Huh, you say? Well, I'm talking about Richard Sturbin, the bass singer, and Joe Bonzel, the tenor. Not coincidentally, the two vocalists who sing solos on this track. Bonzel is the most obvious. Joe Bonzel is the voice you hear all by itself on the verses of Elvira. Think about the timbre of his voice. When you think about tenor, you can think about two camps in terms of timbre. In one camp, you have tenors like Vince Gill, Steve Warner, Gene Johnson of Diamond Rio. It's a thinner, sweeter, more string-like version of tenor. Does that sound like Joe Bonzel? Not at all, right? (laughs) Bonzel is a gospel tenor. His voice is loud, bright, and above all, brassy. In a word, Joe Bonzel's vocal timbre is trumpet-like. On the other hand, bass singer Richard Sturbin, while his voice sounds nothing like Joe Bonzel's, does manage to evoke the resonant, full sound of something like a tuba, or in this case, a baritone saxophone, which is one of the wind instruments that Elvira features. So you've got half of the voices already sounding like parts of a horn section right off the bat, but let's not miss the fact that they are part of an ensemble. In other words, the fact of the Oak Ridge Boys singing as a quartet, especially one with a deep, resonant bass and bright, brassy tenor, gives them some shared DNA with, of all things, a horn section. And I'll be darned if the combination of the two doesn't work on Elvira. But what of that? If Joe Bonzel and Richard Sturbin have such different timbres, and we haven't even talked about the other two guys, why do they work as a vocal group at all? I mean, the Oak Ridge Boys have a sound. You notice them instantly from exactly the blend of those disparate vocal timbres. And I love it. I'm an Oak Ridge Boys fan. In fact, I'm all about that blend. So what's going on here? How are they able to blend so well? Well, it might help to describe their setup, because it's common in the southern gospel scene they came out of, but rare in country music. We'll talk about it from the inside out. It starts with the melody, which is sung by Joe Bonzel on Elvira, but is normally carried by Dwayne Allen. The Oaks did a little switcheroo on Elvira, I'm guessing because they just realized how well Bonzel's voice worked on this song. 
at least in part because of what we talked about a moment ago. So they flip-flopped their normal vocal positions, if you will, and put Bonzel on second tenor, which normally carries the melody in a gospel quartet. Sometimes that part is called lead, by the way, instead of second tenor for that reason. I'll stick with saying second tenor, though, to be consistent. So Dwayne Allen usually, but Joe Bonzel here on second tenor with that loud, brassy timbre that easily sticks out. Below him, you have William Lee Golden on baritone. Golden is the guy, if you're picturing the Oak Ridge Boys in your head, the dude with the killer long beard, that's William Lee Golden. Golden is a typical baritone with maybe a touch more rasp in his voice than you might otherwise hear. If you want to hear his voice in isolation, which is rare because that's kind of like life as a baritone, you're always just kind of stuck in the middle, you can listen to the Oak Ridge Boys song, Thank God for Kids. Or look what the storm just brought, thank God for kids. That's William Lee Golden. But his voice is the opposite of Bonzel's in terms of distinctness. It just sort of blends in, and you need that in a group like this. It's kind of like when I talked about Dana Williams' bass playing in Diamond Rio. His parts are solid, steady, and generally simple, which is just what you need from the bass player in an ensemble with as much going on as Diamond Rio. William Lee Golden's easy blend is just what you need in the middle of voices like Joe Bonzel's and Richard Sturban's. Now, up at the top of the vocal stack, again, that's typically Joe Bonzel's spot, but in Elvira, he switched places with acting first tenor, Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen had excellent facial hair in the 80s, too, by the way, but it's tough to compete against William Lee Golden. Dwayne Allen has an excellent tenor voice, closer to the Vince Gill camp than Bonzel's in terms of timbre, although really something in between. So, like Golden's, Allen's voice doesn't necessarily stand out from the pack like Joe Bonzel's and Richard Sturman's do. Uh, he sings the verses on the aforementioned Y'all Come Back Saloon, actually, if you want to hear Dwayne Allen's voice by itself. Pinball playing rounders, stop the games that they've been playing for the losers evening prep. And by the way, guys, Kenny Rogers called. Actually, they all solo on the song American Maid. That's a good one to pull out if you want to hear some of the contrast I'm talking about on the verses that they just kind of walk down the line with each guy soloing. So far, by the way, I've described pretty typical country vocal harmony, with the notable exception of Bonzel's brassy gospel timbre. The Oak Ridge Boys' 80s contemporary Alabama was set up the same way, actually, with Randy Owen flanked, if you will, vocally by Teddy Gentry and Jeff Cook. We didn't go into Alabama's harmony much, really, thinking back on that Love in the First Degree episode. Now I wish I had. <laughs> but Alabama has excellent vocal blend as well, obviously. But the three voices in Alabama already sound pretty similar, all three having kind of a rough, gritty vocal timbre, which fits their overall vibe, like we talked about in that episode. So if you will, Alabama didn't have to overcome those timbre differences that the Oak Ridge Boys managed to. Moving into the 90s, Diamond Rio's harmony was stacked the same way, by the way. It's pretty typical. Even solo singers, when they have background singers harmonizing with them more often than not, stack the harmony with the melody sandwiched in the middle like that. Ben Skills' Look at Us is a good example. But now we introduce the element that most distinguishes the Oak Ridge Boys from almost every other country group. And that's Richard Sturban's bass vocals. I mean, having a bass singer at all is distinguishing enough in country music, although not at all in southern gospel music where the Oak Ridge Boys came from. But having Richard Sturban specifically covering that part takes the Oak Ridge Boys in general, and Elvira in particular, over the top. We're about to take a deep dive into Sturban's deep bass in just a second, but we need to round out the blend discussion first, because the question remains, how do these disparate vocal timbres actually manage to blend so well? Actually, let's up the ante, because Sturban has such range on the low end, and Bonzel and Allen have so much on the high end, none of which they're afraid to show off, as you can hear in Elvira. 
Uh, but they have so much range overall. In a sense, the Oak Ridge Boys' harmony can't be considered tight. Particularly on Elvira, at all times in the song, there's at least half an octave gap, and usually more than an octave gap, between the compact three-voice cluster of Alan, Bonzel, and Golden on the one hand, and Richard Sturban's bass on the other. So what's going on? Well, the answer is in how they sing. First off, without electronic pitch correction, mind you, they all sing in tune. That's kind of table stakes, or at least it was in the 80s, if not now. So we don't need to dive too much into that, but it's not to be taken for granted. But the real magic is in the Oak Ridge Boys' enunciation. Now, if you've ever sung in a choir or a small ensemble like that, you've probably had a coach or director constantly working on your group's togetherness on two things, right? Your vowels and your consonants. I don't know, you might just get triggered on that, thinking about some difficult choir practices from your past. Well, it's a thing when you're singing in a group. You need the vowels to sound the same, and you need the consonants to hit at the same time. Those are your keys. And both of those are much, much easier said than done. And the Oak Ridge Boys nail this. For a vowel example, I'll give you two. The title of the song is L... what? How do you say that second syllable? You've got... A lot of options here. Even within a single southern stage, you'll hear people with widely different versions of Long I. The Oaks choose one, and they all do it. It's Elvira. Not Elvira, for example. Elvira. How they say it is less important than the fact that they all say it the same way. Elvira! Another long I that shows up a lot in the song is on a really tricky word to sing together, especially as it fits into the syllables it needs to occupy. My heart's on what? Fire. That's a bit of a less southern long I than in Elvira, related to the fact that they are making a two-syllable word out of one that's normally one syllable. And there's even another layer on this one, because every other version of Elvira that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Dallas Frazier's original, the first editions with Kenny Rogers, and Rodney Crowell's version, do a more direct rhyme with the word Elvira, and they sing the word fire as fire It's a little fun play on the forced rhyme there that the Oak Ridge Boys, interestingly enough, opt out of. They don't do it. And whatever the reason for that... Again, the way they choose to sing the word is less important than the fact that they all sing it the same way. A skill not at all to be taken for granted, especially when you have four voices, especially with different timbres and different ranges like we talked about. It's one of those things you notice when you hear a group not do it. Even if you can't put your finger on exactly what's off about what you're hearing, Uh, But when it's right, it just clicks, and you don't really think about it. Easy to take for granted, though, maybe. Let's touch on the consonants as well. Again, the key with consonants is for them to hit at the same time. And some consonants and consonant groups are notoriously difficult on this. And there's one in the chorus of Elvira in particular. It's the word hearts. My heart's on fire. You've got that long vowel that needs to sound the same for everyone along its entire length, by the way, which is not at all easy to do. But then it closes off with the nasty RTS combination. S's are difficult enough, but you've got to be synchronized on the R and the T leading up to the S as well. Needless to say, the Oak Ridge Boys nail it. 
So the Oak Ridge Boys, they're unique for country, not for gospel. Composition gives us the opportunity to appreciate some aspects of strong harmonic blend that may be easy to overlook elsewhere. But look, we have to get there. The bouncy backbeat, the brash brass, and the beautiful blend are all well and good, and Elvira would be a great song if it stopped there. But Elvira is more than a great song. It's an all-time classic. And the element that takes it to that status is clearly Richard Sturban's solo vocals. I'm all about that bass. Sturban sounds like he's having fun, doesn't he? If you pull up some videos online of the Oak Ridge Boys doing this song live, you'll see that he definitely is. Here's a guy who leans into his role on this song. And I ask you, how could it be otherwise? It would never work if he didn't go all in with it. I mean, it's straight up comical. Om Papa Mau Mau, what on earth is he talking about? And it's in all those other versions of Elvira that I mentioned as well, including Dallas Frazier's original. The Oak Ridge Boys didn't come up with these nonsensical lyrics. They've always been an integral and indispensable part of the song Elvira. But no one handles them like the Oak Ridge Boys do, turning them into a bass vocal solo. I mean, no one else had Richard Sturban at their disposal when arranging the song either, so you know. But the Oak Ridge Boys did, and what a stroke of genius it was to give Richard Sturban those parts. It's corny, it's borderline campy, I admit it. But I argue that it lands just this side of ridiculous. And there's a magical sweet spot right there on that borderline that Elvira sits squarely within. This is a larger concept that comes up a lot in this exploration of 80s and 90s country music. The idea that there's a sweet spot immediately on the right side of some line of distastefulness. Elvira as risky. Who knew? But it works. It's fun. This feels like a microcosm of 80s and 90s country music, though. Certainly the best of early 80s country music anyway. It's almost awful. And somehow or another, in being almost bad, it's perfect. All right, but back to this bass solo. I want to play through the whole progression. It starts in the key of C. The Oak Ridge Boys version of Elvira changes keys several times, but it starts in C. With this motif in the bass guitar part, doubled by the piano, it's this bouncy little chromatic walk-up of G, B-flat, B-natural, and C. It's a variation of the more common bass walk-up that just goes right up the major scale. G, A, B natural, C. The chromatic version has a couple of things that, if you will, humorize the lick. One is that it includes this note, a B flat, which is an out-of-key blue note in C. Somehow, coupled with the bouncy rhythm, it feels like a mistake. Rather like those splat rhythm guitar chords, which are also full of blue notes, by the way. It's actually true, too, of Joe Bonzel's solos in the verses. He sings this note a lot, an E-flat, another blue note in C. And especially in his voice, it sounds less like the blues and more like amateur hour, in a funny way. The other thing this bass guitar pattern does is it makes two of the three intervals played chromatic. 
that just means a half step apart. Chromatic scales, again, especially in a bouncy groove like this, again, can have like a light, comical feel. Again, maybe sounding unintentional somehow. So this is important because Sturban's vocal solo is built on that same motif. Here's what Sturban sings, starting with the full quartet on Giddy Up. Hear it? Giddy up. The end of it, the a mau mau to the next giddy up is exactly that bass guitar part. And the um pops are G C C G C C. Just toggling back and forth between the first and last notes of that walk up. The whole thing is C C C G C C G C C G B flat B C. So he does that three times. That's both passes after the first verse and the first pass after the second verse. Then the fourth time, which is the second pass after the second verse, Sturman mixes it up. It sounds like this. That's down there, right? That's a low C. That's the note for a bass singer. It's famous for being hard to hit, and if you can hit it as a bass singer, you're the real deal. I can't. I love singing bass. It's my favorite vocal part. I always add the bass parts to groups like Alabama that don't have it when I sing along with them in the car or something, but I can't get a low C. E-flat, maybe D, anything lower and you're starting to lose me, and I think that's pretty common. Richard Sturban, though, doesn't just hit that low C. He lands on it in tune and in full voice. He drops down to those low Cs, and it just resonates. He absolutely shines down there. It's rafter-rattling stuff for sure. So then the song changes key, rising from C to D-flat. And ironically, it seems to get higher so that Sturban can get lower. It does this a couple more times, actually, and it definitely starts to feel like, how low can he go? Well... For the one chorus in D-flat, Sturban sings the second om papa mau mau pass down an octave, way down here. Go ahead and try to sing along with that, guys. The first one is up here. And the second one is down here. He's now two full octaves below William Lee Golden on Giddy Up here, by the way. That's the wide pitch gap I mentioned earlier. Golden's note is this one, the D-flat right above middle C, and Sturban's is this one, two octaves below that. See, this is one octave, and that's two. That's where Richard Sturban is now. Giddy Up! So, to sing the whole lick down the octave, Sturban has to sing this otherworldly note, a low A-flat. Give that one a try, guys. Don't cheat. Don't sing this note. Sing this note. I'll say, it actually does sound like a stretch, even for Richard Sturban. I mean, it's down there, folks. I listened really, really close to this a bunch of times, because I'm going to admit, I'm not absolutely sure... He gets that low A flat. It almost goes sub aural or something. You know what I mean? 
at least at the beginning of the phrase. By the end, it sounds a little more sure. Yeah, it was funny. I had my earbuds in, my hands cupped around my ears, you know, and I was listening to that section over and over again with the volume up, trying to hear exactly what Sturban was doing. And at some point, I kind of realized how meticulously I was studying a dude singing Om Papa Mao Mao, and I decided it was good enough. <laughs> the song then rises a half step again, now up to D, and Sturban completely lives in that low octave at that point. With no question anymore about his full resonance on those infernal low A's that he sings. He also takes the opportunity to growl a huge low D at one point in this chorus. No word of whether the building he recorded that note in remained standing afterward. And then Elvira changes key one more time to E flat and quickly fades out so that we don't get to hear Richard Sturban's oom-pa-pa-mow-mow in that key. The fade-out leaves us wanting more. And hey, because it faded out during the vocals, in some sense, somewhere, the Oak Ridge Boys are still singing ever-escalating choruses of Elvira, with the high parts continuing to get higher and Richard Sturban continuing to go lower. And on that note, that unearthly low note perhaps, it's probably time for me to fade out as well. This is a fun song to listen to, and it was a fun song to put an episode together on. So the bar is high for next time. I mean, you think of some of the 80s and 90s heavyweights we still haven't gotten to, and you realize just how long we have to go in this project. Folks like, oh, I don't know, George Strait, Randy Travis, Trisha Gearwood, the Dixie Chicks, Shania Twain, Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, the list goes on and on. But let's see if we tackle one of those, or maybe we get to do a deeper dive on someone who's already come up. Or someone else. Let's find out. I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station right now and see what's playing. Well, it is another 80s heavyweight. Not one I mentioned. It's Ronnie Millsap. The song is He Got You. I look forward to getting to that one with you in two weeks. In the meantime, you can write me at meltonmcmainerberry at gmail.com. You can also find Nashville Anthems on Instagram and connect that way. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll see you next time. Yeah, I think something's on fire.